I reached a point where I was, I was done. I didn't want to farm. I thought farming was probably one of the worst things I could do. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. Deciding to grow food, to become a farmer, is a huge decision for most people that do it. And this week's guest, uh, definitely, uh, that's a part of his story where he didn't want to be a farmer, even though he grew up around it. And we hear this so many times, uh, people who grow up around farming and, and decide they are done with it, usually when they're ready to go to college or something like that. And so many people then come back to it later and see it with different eyes. And that's the story of this week's guest. He grows food, but not food that people eat. We're going to jump into his world, which is hay. He grows hay to feed animals, and his hay is shipped all over the world, but it's grown here in Washington State in Moses Lake. Andrew Eddy is his name with R&H Farms. Uh, we had a great chat out in a field. We actually have a full vi video available. Uh, if you want to follow us, subscribe on YouTube, uh, Real Food, Real People. Just search us up on YouTube and you can see the full video because, you know, we have uh, planes flying over, uh, people driving by, wind blowing over our microphones because the whole interview was done on, you know, a pickup tailgate in a hayfield, literally. So you can see that there if you want to. You'll certainly hear that as you listen to our conversation as uh, uh, some interruptions come up from time to time. Please enjoy. I'm Dylan Honkoop. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast, documenting my journeys across Washington State to hear from and really get to know the people behind our food here in Washington. I've, I've never done an interview in a field before. Me either. What is this? <laughs> what, what's this field that we're in here? Uh, well, we're in the corner of one of our alfalfa fields um, okay. here in beautiful Moses Lake, Washington. Um, it's nice and sunny out today. I mean, minus a little bit of clouds. It's, it's a little dark right now, but uh, <laughs> about the first sunny day we've had in five, six days. You so. guys have kind of been battling the weather. Yeah, yeah. Mother Nature has definitely decided that she uh, isn't too happy. Um, I don't know if she just got cooped up with Corona for too long, <laughs> or what the deal is. But she decided she was gonna make it known that she's she's still around. Uh, she hasn't left. So you know we're we're rolling with the punches, and we'll see what happens. So you guys grow hay. Is that pretty much it? You're just a hay operation. Yeah, we uh, we're just a forage operation. So. Uh, minus, minus a hundred acres of corn actually, okay. uh, that we just planted this year. Um, we're just using it kind of as a rotational crop. Um, just kind of give our soil a little break on, um, alfalfa or grass. Um, so we, we, uh, yeah, we got about, you know, minus the trucks driving by, yeah, um, just wave, just wave. Hey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we got, uh, probably about 1300 acres of total crop. Um, and that's all forages. So, um, technically we or not technically we try to of course get the highest quality we can out of our crop um and most of it we shoot for kind of export quality so we try for you know try to make the best product that we can um with what we got and where we're kind of set up so um yeah that's kind of where where that's at so so what does 
What does export quality mean? Uh, export quality is just, I mean, kind of the, I, it, it all varies. I mean, exporters take a wide variety of stuff. You know, there's a need for supreme premium, feeder, dairy. Um, it kind of depends on and what they're kind of looking for. Um, so it's kind of broad, but we just try, of course, for the highest quality. Uh, most, I mean, most everybody tries for the highest quality. Um, but like we were kind of talking about earlier is um, about 95% of our product goes for export um, compared to some guys that just shoot for the domestic market um, and like local retail sales or anything like that. Um, our biggest thing is we take it, we sell it to an exporter and they ship it overseas to wherever their customers are, what they need. So what happens to that hay then? Uh, after, so after we, uh, we put it in the stack or put it into a bale, put it in the stack, um, they will come and buy it, haul it into their pressing facility. Um, there's a bunch of pressing facilities located in Ellensburg, uh, which is about an hour and change away from here. Or, um, there's some local pressers here or Tri-Cities, um, just kind of all around the state. So they'll take it, they'll press it down to whatever package the customer wants, and then they'll put it in a shipping container and ship it where it needs to go. So whether that's Japan, Saudi Arabia, uh, UAE, China, I mean, pretty much all over the world. So pressing it, that's like you take, I think people are familiar with like a hay bale. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and there's small bales. I think that's what most people would be familiar with, which are like, yeah, 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 big. Yeah. And then there's a little bit bigger ones than that. There's also big bales, like actually are on the bales yeah, right, right yeah. behind the camera, so people can't see that. Yeah. But so, which ones are you actually sent? And they they take bales and just like squish them down that much farther. Yeah, there's a there's actually a bunch of different uh, different packages that they can do. Um, so they'll take a, a three foot by four foot by eight foot long bale um, and compress it down. They can do a half cut, a sleeve bale. They can do. Um, a double compressed, single compressed. I mean, there's a ton of different package, you know, that they can do to get it down to, for the most part, most of it will go about to a package about yay big, um, which is like, a, I think, a 50 kg package. Um, and they'll stack them all in the shipping containers, and then that's uh, that's how they get it over there. So, um, yeah. What are all these planes flying around here? Good uh, grief. Yeah, we're, uh, we're pretty close <laughs> to uh, the airport and uh, the military enjoys flying over and interrupting uh super important interviews that are happening right now yeah so they hear when a podcast is happening that's right yeah yeah Yeah, they hear when you're trying to sleep they hear when you know important stuff's happening yeah they quick scramble some cargo planes that's right uh, interrupt yeah yeah no (laughs) um so uh all kidding aside no they uh they fly around all day every day so we actually get to see some pretty cool stuff yeah um fighter jets flew over earlier today and you know Nothing says America more like some, you know, fighter jets <laughs> flying over. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it kind of is all dependent on what the overseas customer wants for a package. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all depends on what they're using it for, too. So those bales that you're squeezing down, how much do they weigh? Uh, initially? Yeah. Uh, when So when we get them in, in our bales, they can be anywhere from, I don't know, probably a little over 1,000 pounds to 1,300 pounds, 1,400 pounds. So All like kind of depends on over crop. a half ton yeah. of hay. Yeah, and then they squeeze that down into like what's the smallest that they can squeeze that down into? Oh man, you're asking me a bunch of tough questions. I probably should know this. Uh, if any, just rough. If any, if, if any of our buyers watch this, I'm sorry. Like I apologize. Um, I've been doing this long enough. I probably should know. But uh, 
today is one of those days. Uh, I think the smallest package is probably a 50 kilogram. Okay. I think. Okay. So they actually like break the bales up into smaller. Yeah. Pieces. So what they'll, what they'll actually do is, so they'll take the bale, they'll cut all the strings off of it. They'll put it into their thing and they'll slice it. And then they'll take and put it in the press and hydraulic rams take and push it all together. Pops out and it's magical. It, it's magic. Nobody knows how it works. And then they feed it to their animals wherever they are in the yeah. world. Yeah, and then they'll take and, you know, like I said, put it in a shipping container, and that's kind of kind of what they do. So what's the key to making really good animal feed? Hey. Uh, Mother Nature cooperating in, <laughs> yeah. in the best way possible. Um, it all kind of depends. I mean, um, you know, uh, yeah, weather. weather's a big thing. Nutrition's a big thing. Um, just paying attention to what you got. Uh, got for crops you know um you know paying attention to water and fertilizer nutrient plants things like that and just management it's pretty much the biggest thing um and then hopefully mother nature plays nice with you so a lot of your nutrients for your hay actually comes from manure uh they can um it all depends so it all depends on the growers program too yeah um there's i mean there's something to be said about about manure um especially for alfalfa or things like that um dry fertilizer liquid fertilizer is kind of kind of the general general thing so um but that's that's kind of where where that comes from so so or liquid manure some people do that too yeah so it all it all kind of depends on grower preference so Every, it, everything kind of everyone kind of has what works for them so the manure that you would fertilize the crops with comes from where uh, it depends on kind of where you get it from. I mean, there's a bunch of dairies up here, you know, if you want liquid manure, um, there's also a bunch of feedlots, so we can get screen steer manure for, you know, pretty readily available, you know, so it all, again, it all kind of depends on who and what and why and what the price is. And then irrigation too, you've got to like water all of these, yep. you know, yep. alfalfa and, and grasses that you grow. Yeah. So luckily for us, we're, uh, we're on the Columbia Basin Irrigation Project. So we have surface water available so we can go up and fire on a switch, get the pivots going and we're good to go. You know, um, we do have some wheel lines, we got some hand lines, but nothing, nothing too major. So, um, it's pretty, pretty nice to be able to flip it on and just have kind of consistent water all the way across. So. Yeah, that's a lot better than hand lines, which yeah, for, yep. for people who aren't familiar with that, and I learned that at a young age, the joy of changing hand line, which is the actual pipes, and you pick them up one 20 or 30 foot pipe at a time, move it over however many feet you're going, 30 feet, whatever the next section of the main line is yep. from the riser. Yep. If that uh, makes sense to anybody, I don't know, but it, it that's a lot of work. I'm surprised you you guys still. What is that? Just if you have like a corner of a field or something? Yeah, we get? we actually just have one one field that is just yeah. like two corners that we water with hand lines, and then we have I think we have two or three sets of wheel lines, which is the same concept except luckily it has a motor on it, so you can roll it. You know, yeah, roll exactly. it and park it. Um, but pivots. I mean, because the other thing about pivots is they're they're efficient. So you know they're efficient on water. They're efficient on water pattern, um, and they cover ground. You know, one th one thing about pivots, one downfall is there's a little more to fix. So, you know? so pivots are these things that if you're flying over farm country, you see the circles, and that's where people yes. talk about farming a circle. Yep. And then the irrigation, basically, the water comes up in the middle of the circle, and then there's the big framework that goes out with all the sprinklers on it, and it just kind of goes around. Yep. 
Yep. How long does it take for one of those to, to go around a circle? Uh, it all depends. Um, I mean, if it were to go full, you know, full hog on 138, I mean, it all depends on machine too. Yeah. Um, say just a standard pivot could take seven hours, six hours, go 130 acres all the way around, complete revolution. But it all depends on there's different, now there's different gearboxes too. So mm-hmm. different gearboxes, different center drives that you could actually make. Um, there's one company that actually makes uh, center drives and gearboxes that actually doubles the speed. It's constantly moving. Mm-hmm. So it can actually cover, when normally it'd take like seven hours, it'd cover it in like four. So they don't normally constantly move? Like they move a little bit, sprinkle, so, and then move a little bit more and kind of keep going around the circle? They still move, but it's kind of all in succession. So the end tower is the lead tower, kind of takes off, and second one follows, and then it'll stop for a little bit, let it all mm-hmm. catch back up and kind of stay in a line. Um, the, so, okay, so the pieces move separately yes, out the... Yeah, yeah, wow. out on out on the end. So technically your last tower moves further than your you know, right. first tower because that's closer you to the see, center point. When you're driving by, you see way more water coming out of the outside sprinklers yeah. oftentimes than the inside ones. Yeah, and it also has more ground to cover, too. So um, the inside ones have less, so the nozzles are smaller because they don't need to put as much water down. So um, your outside ones are going to be a whole lot, you know, put a whole lot more water down in this, that span. This is all new to me because I grew up around farming, but it was in western Washington, and we don't do that there. Right. I mean, there are a, just a few pivots right. over on that side Mo- of the mountain. Mother Nature, yeah. Mother Nature cooperates with you guys, yeah. Well, uh, but and, and the fields are way smaller, right, too, right? right? And so people will use hand line or wheel line or big guns or drip irrigation or, yeah, yeah just hope and pray for rain at the right time <laughs> right, and right, not right. the wrong time. Yeah. So is that is that... Growing hay, is that the biggest challenge? Is just trying to get the the rain when you want it and the dry, hot weather? Because that's what you need to, like, dry the hay out after you cut it, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say that's probably about 90, 92% of the challenge is just weather. I mean, it, it, it can take a good crop and turn it into pretty bad, you know, yeah. uh, pretty quick. Um, so, so what is know, it? what does it do to it? So... For alfalfa, especially, um, it uh, it'll take, and if it if it rains on it enough, it'll actually start washing nutrients out of it. So not only will it start bleaching it and uh, cause it to lose color, which is kind of a portion of how you know customers buy it, um, it'll actually start washing the nutrients out of the plant. So your RFV will go down, your digestible nutrients will go down, your um, all that kind of stuff that they that buyers or dairies and stuff want to see mm-hmm. is, you know, the most that nutrient nutri- value. Most yeah. nutrition for their animals to eat. Yeah, so it it kind of, you know, takes away on that. On grass, especially on Timothy, so Timothy is very, um, it's bought on color, a little bit on feed value depending on where it goes and stuff like that, but it's, it's primarily bought on color and look um, and things like that. So you get, you know, a little bit of rain on it and, you know, here we are, you know, um, you're, you're turning into a product where it's automatically a lower grade, you know, um, and it can go from premium to number one, number two quality in a matter of a couple hours. Wow. So, uh, a little shot of rain. And what's the, what's the value difference? Like percentage wise, how much money can you lose in a couple hours with the wrong rain? Uh, I mean, you could lose about probably about 50%. So, you know, about half its value. You could just sit there and watch, you know, 
as it trickles Washing. off the windshield and yeah oh. it, it all depends um you know everything has a home but everything has a home for a certain price too so when i was a kid both of my my grandpas well grandparents because they both ran the farms grandpa and grandma um had they had dairy farms and my one grandpa in particular my dad's dad was very much into feeding his cows alfalfa almost exclusively other than other nutrients but he didn't do like silage or local right. hay or anything he got eastern washington alfalfa from here and he would come out and like look at the field and he wanted to right know that he was getting the the best stuff for his cows yeah. and and this is where he would come you talk about timothy though like what are they feeding with timothy that's not going to be like for dairy cows, right? Ah, uh, yeah, it, it can be. It can be, yeah. Um, Part of their TMR. Yeah, they they'll yeah they'll ration. take yeah they'll take and put it in their mixed ration. Um, a lot of dairies in China will take it. Um, mm. Japan, things like that. Um, but Timothy kind of has a wide a wide use. Um, yeah. I think of like feeding horses when I think of Timothy. Right. Yeah. That's um, my experience with it. Horses. Uh, you know, race horses are kind of the biggest, you know, everybody's like, oh, they feed it to race horses. That's correct. But they also <laughs> feed it to camels, guinea pigs, you know, gerbils, anything like that. Any, any kind of animal, they'll, they'll yeah. eat it. I mean, it's, it's pretty good. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, it's, it all depends. Like I said, it, it kind of all depends on what customer's taking it and mm -hmm. then, uh, you know, how they want to use it and things like that. So have you gotten the chance to visit any of these customers out around the globe? Ah, uh, no. No. Um, See where the hay goes to? That would be, I think that would be really fascinating. No, so um, kind of segueing into that. Um, so currently um, we're, we're part of the Washington State Hay Growers Association, um, as you might be able to tell behind me. Um, <laughs> shameless plug, it's fine. Uh, so I'm current vi vice president and then our, pr our current president actually, um, went overseas here last year, um, and visited a bunch of the dairies and stuff and, and things like that. So, um, at some point that'll probably be on the docket. Maybe once all this, you know, maybe, maybe 2021, 22, 25, I, who knows when this Corona so say, deal gets someday over. you'll get to go someday. See it. Um, but yeah, no. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been doing this we've been doing this a while. So we've kind of, uh, you know, um, we've met some of the customers when they come here. Um, and they'll say, Oh yeah, you know, we, we like your guys product or we like this or we like that. Can we, can we see that? You know? Um, so that makes us feel good. Cause we're like, okay, we have, we have repeat customers, not just people buying directly from us, but, um, people that are buying, you know, yeah. through us technically. Right. So, um, I always thought it was impressive that my grandpa would come all the way. A dairy farmer from Western Washington would come all the way over to Eastern Washington to check out his hay. Yep. A little bit more impressive if you come all the way, say, from China right. to check right, out your right, hay. Right. But I guess that's how important it is to them to get good quality. It's worth the trip. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, and they take, and you know, they trust their, they trust the buyers, they trust the exporters on what product they're getting them. Um, but they also like to come put eyes on it because. You know, things kind of, excuse me, things kind of change, uh, change when you actually put eyes on it. You can send pictures, you can make it, you know, look pretty. Um, yeah. but at the end of the day, if you put eyes on it and you're like, oh, I don't really like this part of the bale, or I don't really like that head size, or I don't like, um, there's not enough leaf. There's too much stem. They're super thin. They're brittle. They're bro. I mean, there's a million things that, you know, they can pick apart 
and be like, well, you know, we want it for this price. Or, oh, this looks really good. We want it for a little higher. So. They'll actually say that? No. <laughs> yeah. We hope they say. do. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> You're probably going to come in and say, hey, this is awesome. Hey, here, here's the price. Yeah, and yeah. they're going to say, yeah. <laughs> uh, will you take 25% less than that? And you'll be like, mm. yeah. yeah. How much How much negotiating goes on with this kind of stuff? Oh, I mean, the exporters sit there constantly and negotiate about it. Yeah. Um, they'll offer it out and they'll see what they say and they'll do probably three or four counter offers and see what happens. I mean, it all depends. We just um, we just sold some today that, you know, they offered out a couple times and three or four or five negotiations, you know, middle of the night because, you know, time difference. And yeah, true. They're true. like, hey, here's here's what we got. Like, this is the product. Here's where we need to be at. Here's where my grower needs to be at. Here's where I need to be at to make some money. Here's where you here's where you got to be you know and see if it kind of fits in where they're where they're thinking so how many acres are you guys growing hay on uh we have 1300 acres and then we do another probably 1300 acres worth of custom work so Mm -hmm. total total for last year we covered probably 8500 acres wow for the entire year after you know all four cuttings alfalfa going over the same yeah yeah so custom work meaning what we just we go and uh, we work with another custom guy and we'll actually go cut and then he'll uh, he'll rake it and bale it because the the farm that you know farm that has the ground doesn't have the equipment to do it. I see. Um, so they just contract hire it out and you know we go and do that. For so that's like half of the acres you cover is is custom work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it kind of varies a little bit depending on what their rotation's at, but for the most part, that's kind of kind of where we're at. So yeah, it's. It keeps us busy. The machine's not rolling. It's not paying for itself. So That's true. You know, um, you know, employees aren't cheap. Labor, labor's not cheap. Fuel's not cheap. Equipment definitely isn't cheap. So um, you got to, you know, supplement a little bit. Um, but it also keeps, you know, it, keep, it definitely keeps us busy. So how did you guys get into this? Farming as a whole? Or hay farming specifically? Uh, so... Or did you not always do hay farming or what, what, what's the family background? So family background, um, technically I'm, I say I'm second generation hay farmer. Yeah. Um, my grandpa, he had the ground. He used to work kind of odd job. I mean, he did anything and everything. He was a fireman. He was a lumberjack. He was a quality control specialist somewhere. I mean, he's done a multitude of things. Um, and he ended up with farm ground. So he kind of farmed a little bit, but um, my dad pretty much, uh, pretty much started the place. Um, but he used to work, uh, for a, another hay grower here in the local area. Um, and he worked for him for 25 years. Um, and then things just kind of weren't working out. So he decided, Hey, I'm going to try to go do this on my own. So, um, like I said, my, my grandpa had some ground, um, and my dad said, Hey, I want to, I want to start farming. So they started with, uh, about 200 acres, pretty much right. Kind of where we're sitting at right now. Um, and since then, and that was probably 12 years ago, 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. And since then we've grown from 200 acres to 13, 1400, wow. um, with, uh, I don't know, five, five or six employees probably total by the time you get, you know, through everything. So, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty much my dad. Um, he's He's been around hay for a long time. Um, so, I mean, he's been around hay for, i uh, do some quick mental math. It'd be 34 years he's been around hay. 
So, so when did you, when did you start farming? Yeah. So, you know, born into it. So that's always, that's always good. Um, you know, they say the, the biggest challenge is, uh, with family farming is putting up with your family. Um, (laughs) you know, you, you love your family, you know, you do, but it, takes a special kind of nutcase to uh to want to willingly come and you know work together yeah, right yeah um you know you you butt heads every once in a while 95 percent of the time um <laughs> but uh you know you you make it work so i uh i was working here just summers and stuff like that you know doing you know doing normal farm tasks and things like that and then i reached a point where i was i was done i didn't want to farm i thought farming was probably one of the worst things I could do, um, which is really? bad, which is bad to say because it. Uh, I'm a little... And the wind is blowing our microphone over. Here, we'll just we'll do that. Um, so uh, I was like, no, I, I I can't do this. I I can't work with family. I'm not going to farm. I don't like it. It's terrible. Blah blah blah. You know. This was when you were how old? I was I was about eighteen. Yeah. So you know, it was kind of it was it was time. It's kind of a key time, yeah. to be making some decisions. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna go do something else, and you know, my parents were supportive, and they're like, okay, yeah, do what you want. Um, so I applied to go to school uh, at the University of Oregon in Eugene, and it took them about a month and a half to get back to me, and I had a couple other offers, you know, a couple other places to do random things. You know, I thought. Thought I was going to do engineering and thought I was going to do this and then realized that's a whole lot of math and a whole lot of thinking that my brain couldn't handle. <laughs> I'm not um, smart enough for that. That's yeah. For sure. I'll be the first to admit. Yeah. So I'm just like, now, you know, let's not do that. So I waited and waited and waited. Got into the University of Oregon. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Went down there. Um, had two years left. I had already got my uh, associate's degree from local community college and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I got down there. I ended up signing up for some uh, journalism classes, mm. and I was literally sitting in a, I think it was like a like a 201 class, so basic, you know, first introductory class um, that was like media studies. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going, this advertising thing's not too bad. Mm. Like, it looks pretty good, you know? Mm. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going for it. So I ended up getting a degree in... Uh, Journalism communications mm-hmm. with an emphasis in advertising. And then it got down to trying to find jobs. <laughs> Pretty much everybody I went to school with got jobs at Nike, you know, big old ad yeah. agencies, um, all this other stuff. And I'm just like. They're in Oregon too. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, here I am. Like, what What do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, I'll go back to the farm. Shouldn't be too bad. I got back here and I'm like why did I leave? Really? I It was that I, apparent. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy the whole advertising world. Mm-hmm. I enjoy all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think... Uh, I think you, you got uh, a fan club. He, that yeah. guy's driven by multiple times. Yeah, the, he wants to watch the podcast. Yeah, the, the boss is driving around wondering oh, what it, I'm doing. That guy is the boss man, yeah. a.k.a. your dad? Yeah. Oh, I didn't recognize him. Yeah, uh, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I left and, uh, that was kind of, uh, that was kind of that. And, uh, so I came back and I'm like, this is what I want to do. You know, I, I enjoy growing crop and I enjoy doing this and I enjoy doing that. Um, so let's, I don't know, let's make it happen, you know? And ever since then I've been back. Uh, so what did your dad say? He was like, he didn't say much. 
And, and he was happy to have you come oh, yeah. join the operation? Yeah, he was happy. The first couple of years were a little rough. You know, we're yeah. just getting back into, you know, hey, you know, I went off and did this, so I know, you know. <laughs> yep. Um, not really, you know, completely, but it was just kind of, you know, one of those deals where it's mm -hmm. like, hey, I, you know, how about we do it this way? How about we do it that way? Now we're at a decent spot. We're we're getting a whole, along a whole lot better. Um, we make things work a whole lot better because um, we do have different views on how to do things or mm -hmm. we do have different thought processes when doing something um so i think that's one of the one of the biggest things but i'll tell anybody that if you're wanting to farm especially with family or anything go do something else and mm. come back because you learn a lot more when you're gone than when you're there because i i think if you stick around and this is kind of with any job um you know, wise words of wisdom with Andrew uh, today. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think this is with any job is the fact that you get in a comfort zone. You get in a comfort zone in your life. You get in a comfort zone with your job. So you're like, oh, well, I don't have to change anything. And then you get out there and you experience different things. You experience different people and how they do things to get a certain task done. And you're like, hey, I'm going to try that. Like, oh, why don't, I, why don't I think about that? So I think getting somebody out of their comfort zone is the biggest thing for sure. Um, so I think, uh, now the boss is staring at me. <laughs> um, I think that's the biggest thing is like, uh, you know, is, is get out of your comfort zone. I think you learn more out of your comfort zone than you do in it. So that's kind of the, it's kind of the biggest thing. Anything specifically that you take away from your education that changes maybe how you do your work now? I mean, people think, well, it's a far cry from a communications degree, right? No, I think, uh, you know, I, I think it's shifting too. Um, I think the, the push now is especially, um, is being active on, you know, social media and things like that and show, you know, showing our story. Like we're not just some, you know, boy, I tell you what, we, we big old <laughs> farmers here. Like, you know, we're, we're actually doing a job that like takes a whole lot more than, okay, let it grow. You know, yeah. it, like even when I was explaining earlier, it's like, oh, we just put water on it. We yeah. put fertilizer on it. It's done. Yeah. Like, it's a little more than that. Yeah. It's not, you can't, somebody can do it, but it all depends on, you know, how and what. And so, uh, no, I think, I think the biggest thing is, uh, is yeah, it's communication is of course the backbone of pretty much anything. I mean, communication is the backbone of, uh, as the wind picks up a little bit, um, Hey, but you, you hay people. You love wind, right? I, I'm, I'm Isn't this what right makes now. your hay awesome? For sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I think communication, of course, is kind of the backbone of anything. Relationships, you know, uh, negotiations for buyers, um, anything like that, or even relationships with field, you know, field agronomists or things like that. Um, so it kind of, it, it all comes down to it. But, you know, the, the biggest thing is, uh, especially with like social media, is the fact that, um, we have the opportunity and platform to share our story, right? So that's kind of the biggest thing for me is it's it's allowing us as a as an operation to kind of showcase, hey, here's what we do. We're not saying it's perfect. We're not saying it's the best thing ever. We're not saying we're absolutely right. But here's what we do. Here's why we do it. Here's our thought process. Maybe somebody else will take it, or maybe somebody else will be like, hey, you know, why don't why don't you try this, or have you ever tried this, or right. you know, things like that. Like I'll have. All of growers reach out, um, you know, and be like, hey, what, what do you normally 
put down on your Timothy or what are you trying to rip off of? That looks really good or things like that. And it, you know, it, it gives me a certain sense of pride and it gives us, well, not so much, you know, the social media, social media mogul over there, um, that serves Twitter all day, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, it gives, it gives me a certain sense of pride. Cause it's like, Hey, you know, here's what we're doing. Somebody's recognizing, Hey, like that's, that's pretty sweet. You know, I think, you know, we can do something. So, um, I think, uh, yeah, it, it just gives, it's a whole new avenue. You know, we can kind of market in a different way um, and say, oh, you know, here's here's what we got. Here's showing you the inner workings of an alfalfa operation or a forage operation. Um, so I think that's kind of cool. I mean, I, it's, it's a challenge for sure. Um, here, you know, last week, it was just raining. That was it. it yeah. It was raining. And, you know, that, that takes a big old blow to, you know, our ego and our, you know, confidence. Cause I mean, we are losing money. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not as tough as some of these other growers that like potato contracts that are currently, you know, were cut at the beginning of the year and things like that. Yeah. Like they're the ones that are suffering super, you know, a lot, Yeah. you know? Um, so that was, that was kind of my point is like, I know we show all the good stuff, but we're also human and we make mistakes. You know, so yeah, you had a good video post about that on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, it was uh, it was one of those days where you just kind of had to let it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you had to talk to somebody, and if there's nobody to talk to that wants to listen, you just talk to yourself, right? Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing is like, you know, yeah, it's tough, but we'll recover. And you know, there's there's some growers out there that it is a big hit. You know, they can't they can't absorb some of these things. You know, you start talking losing a hundred, 200 bucks a ton, you know, well, probably about a hundred, hundred bucks a ton. That's, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, the end of the day, that's all, that's a lot of money that we're talking about. Yeah. You know, and I have even talked to some of, you know, some of, uh, some potato growers in the local area. And one of the guys goes, I just put $4,000 an acre into potato ground and I have to plant sweet corn or beans or peas. And I'm not going to make a single penny back from what I already put into it. Yeah, he's not going to be able to make as much as no. they had already spent on it. Yeah, and he goes, that's what I have to do. How am I going to make it work? I have no idea, but that's that's what it is, you know. Um, so, you know, we get we get a little bit of rain. Yeah, it, it it's a punch in the gut for sure, um, yeah. but especially when it's some of the best-looking stuff that we had um, that was ready to go right before it rained. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think yeah. It's, well, I, I thought your post was on point. Not just about farming, but about anybody on social media. That's kind of the phenomenon, right? right? Like everybody just kind of shows the best part of their life. Right. And so it makes everybody else feel like, oh, my life sucks. Right. But the reality is everybody has a lot of crappy stuff in their life. 100%. I mean, right? and that's and that's the thing is like, you know, yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest, one of the biggest uh, what what's the word I'm looking for? That's one of the biggest drawbacks of social media, but it's also one of the biggest points that we can start to address yeah. is the fact that it may look all pretty and pretty and nice, and everybody you know the other side of the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Yep. And you might want to start digging a little deeper. And I think that's my point is like we we make mistakes. We're we're not perfect. You know, we have we have misapplications on you know chemical or you know. Uh, you know, our crop doesn't grow or anything like that. Like it, it happens or mother nature, you know, kicks us in the butt and says, <laughs> you know, you were feeling good. Yeah. Here you are. You yeah. know, uh, here's a little slice of humble pie. Right. So, 
I think social media is a double-edged sword for sure. And I think the biggest challenge, nobody wants to share the bad stuff. Nobody wants to says, Hey, I'm, I messed up. Like yeah. as simple as that. Like, yeah. They Cause, all, well, they're, cause they're worried. Number one, they don't want to look dumb. Right. And number two, I mean, if you're doing business, you're worried that your customers are going to be like, oh, I don't know if I trust them anymore. Right. But I mean, and that, and I think that's the biggest thing is, is closing that gap between where, where customers and us are at and getting people kind of closer because the thing about it is like even even some of our overseas customers they were like oh well we've never actually seen alfalfa go in the bale right how, how does that work yeah i'm like you know here's some videos like technology and and all that kind of stuff is great yeah. nowadays. you know you couldn't do that in the past i mean you could well, but you'd have and you and, and as far as like admitting to things not going perfectly yeah with our generation that's kind of what we're into. Like, right. we almost don't trust right. somebody where things are too perfect. Right. Because it's like, that's got to be fake. Yeah. Or like, oh, that's not, that's not actually actual reality. Like, right. what is reality? Um, so Reality I, is doing a podcast and having wind pick up. That's right. And yeah, jets yeah. fly over and people drive by. That's right. And people call you on the phone. Yeah. And the that's, boss working on equipment behind you. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. reality. Back of the pickup's dirty. <laughs> I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> But, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing is like, you know, I've, I've had people say, hey, like, thanks. Thanks for sharing the bad, you know, the bad. Yeah. And I go, it's not even close to being terrible. Like, I can <laughs> sit here and complain all day about what goes wrong. But you look at other things in the world and you're like, yeah, yeah. my life ain't that bad. Well, that I you said it earlier. Now you're saying it again. And that's something that farmers are really good at is and it goes along with that farmer optimism. It's that, well, things could be worse. Yeah. Vibe. Yeah. Until farmers it, have to do that, otherwise you couldn't survive. Oh yeah, we're we're the biggest pessimists you've ever met in your life. Like no <laughs> joke. We'll look at something and we'll be like, oh man, that's probably the worst quality stuff I've ever put up. Put but up in my life. But you're still an optimist because you're going to try for it. But we'll be like, oh, that's that's terrible quality. And then somebody come by and be like, that's probably the best stuff I've looked at so far. <laughs> and you're like, all right, cool. Like you know, you know, you can be an optimist. And you you'll yeah. end up being fine. But that's yeah. the thing is like. You, you reach a point where, yeah, it, it kicks you in the shorts and you're like, I just want to go home and cry. Like, you know, I mean, it's it's fine if you go home and cry. No big deal. <laughs> but it's also like one of those deals where it's like, you know, w- what can we do about it? There's nothing we can do about Mother Nature. If it's something that we messed up, we can fix it. Mother Nature comes through. It's out of our control. I mean. You can sit there and say however many Hail Marys you want, but it ain't going to matter, you <laughs> yeah. know, about what's going on, you know. So, and the, and the biggest thing, especially this year, is predictability on weather. There hasn't been any. I mean, it's yeah. it's been either 10% chance and it rains. Yeah. Or it's, you know, 70% chance and it's sunny. Yeah. It, it all kind of depends. Such is the way of farming. Such is the way of farming. What's been the hardest time for you so far farming? What's the, the most challenging thing? Oh, man. Um, probably, I mean, one of the most challenging things is, of course, trying to juggle home life and farm life. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Um, you know, we put in long hours. You know, farmers put in long hours. Dairy guys put in long hours. Things like that. It's it's balancing how much you're working and how much you're at home. So, um and also for for me, so my wife works at the at the hospital. Um, she's a labor and delivery nurse, okay. and so she'll work nights, 
and I work days. Yeah. Never see each other. Never see each other. Um, mm-hmm. And when she's working, I'm not working. And when, she, you know, she's not working, I'm working. So <laughs> it, it just kind of, you know, we got two kids at home. So that's kind of, that's kind of the biggest thing. You know, I take them out and be like, hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to go check. Like, we're going <laughs> to go just drive around. You know, get them out of the house. But it also is like. Daddy daycare and a pickup. I got to go work. Yeah. Like, here's some fruit snacks. We'll yeah. turn on, you know, some frozen <laughs> and we'll be fine. But. Uh, I've listened to my fair share of Frozen in yeah, this truck yeah. here, um, but it's it's really sad when you're off topic a little bit. When we're you know driving around and the kids aren't in the truck and the Frozen is still <laughs> playing and you don't notice and you're like, I really hope nobody pulls up. Like, let's turn on some ACDC and get yeah you know, yeah a little awkward. The, yeah. Other farmer guy shows up and you're listening to Frozen. Yeah, I mean it, it happens. If it was from my household, it would be Bubble Guppies or Paw Patrol or something. Oh, like per, that. yeah, yeah, yeah my, probably mine too. Yeah, yeah. No, my my kid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My kid definitely, definitely enjoys, uh, yeah, and enjoys. Well, I, I grew up on the seat of a tractor myself. My dad was a custom farmer when I was quite young. Right. So that was, I would ride along with dad until he was doing something that was too rough to have a little kid. And, you know, like if he was ripping some rough ground or something with the tractor and it's like, okay, mom's going to come pick you up. You got to get out now. <laughs> right. I don't want you to whack your head on the steering wheel. Obviously older tractor, less room, no actual buddy seat. It was just fold the armrest down yeah. and the yeah, old forty two forty. Yeah. The, fe- the fender of the, yeah. The fender of the tractor, making sure you don't slip off onto the tire. Yeah. Been there. Yeah. Been there uh, many a times with, uh, yeah, with my dad. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is like, you know, my wife and I talk a whole bunch, you know, I, I try to get home as, as, you know, readily as I can. I, yeah. I try to, you know, balance that life. It is absolutely probably one of the hardest things I deal with, you know, um, getting, getting our guys to, you know, do whatever and getting, you know, equipment fixed and things like that. I mean, that's, I, I hate to say it's easy, but it, it's just kind of a, a, a thing we do now, yep. you know, it, it's a, it's a process for sure. So, um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is just finding that time. And your busiest time is in the summertime when everybody else in the world says right. that's when we should be going on vacation. Right, right, right. That's, that was my growing up, too. Yeah. It was like, I grew up on a red raspberry farm. You harvest raspberries in July. You do not do anything else. Right. Well, and that, you certainly don't even mention going on vacation. Oh, yeah. That would no. be blasphemy. No, no, yeah. Um, <laughs> even be, though you can get vacations in between cuttings, yeah, maybe? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, we, we can get, yeah, we can sneak away for a little while. Um, I mean, I'm going on vacation next week, but that's that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we, were, we were planning on being done for full disclaimer. I mean, not that it really matters, but, you know. Um, but uh, one of the, I mean, one of the biggest things is that... Um, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, you just take the weekend off, right? Sure, I could. Right. But everything's still going to be growing. Like, it, it don't matter. Like, if the weather's right, we'll, we're doing it. Like, we're, we're going, we're, you know, we're yeah. farming. Simple as that. And I think <laughs> the best description, um, and I think most people have probably seen this floating around, is like the dad and the son. You know, like, oh, what, you know, what is this? Oh, I don't know, son. Well, it's the same thing with farming is like, Hey dad, what's a weekend? I don't know, son, we're farmers. Like, <laughs> it's just like, I, that's probably the best description yeah. I can have because that's the way it is. You know, 4th of July, what are holidays, right? What yeah. are weekends? You know, um, people are like, oh, you know, did, yeah, did you make it there? What day is it? Oh, Saturday. <laughs> oh, well, no. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then you you know you. I get saw it on point, social media the next day. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then you, well, and then you get to the point where you're like, you know, you're working for a couple days straight. You know, pretty much you leave your house, go to work, leave, you know, go back, you know, sleep a little bit, and come back, and you're like. Did I take a shower today? Like, <laughs> what did I do today? And they'll be like, oh, it's Thursday. And you're like, I was working since Monday. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, so it's just like the concept of time with farming is kind of one of the craziest things, too, because it's like, okay, like, yeah. what day is it? What time is it? What's the what longest, do we got to do? What's the longest day you've worked? Recently? About t- two hours. Uh, <laughs> just kidding jokes um, <laughs> oh shoot probably uh, we've had like last year we had a couple when the like if the weather's right actually probably 2018 was probably one of the longer ones we had some days you know 14 16 hours and then we'd get done bailing probably probably get out there and start raking at about 4 4 30 in the morning um take a little break start bailing get done at about 10 30 11 o'clock at night and go back about two or three the next morning you know, do that for a couple of days, and I mean, it's not too bad. You know, I don't envy envy the people that do night shift and have to work. Yeah. You know, twelve hours on, twelve hours off, stuff like that. Like I, I no, no, <laughs> those people. Like my wife is a saint. Like she, yeah, managing that and trying to sleep during the day. I'm just like I, yeah, I don't know a, how you do it. That's you a know? tough job. Um, some days are long, some days are short. It all depends. I mean, you know, we any yeah, it varies too. And that's the thing. I think. I think that's the biggest thing is like people, I mean, going back to the comment about, you know, oh, what's a weekend or, you know, can't, can't you just take, take a day off? (laughs) Well, yeah, but it's also like, it's, it's our livelihood. So if we don't go now, we're not making money and we're not making money. Why are we even doing it? You know? Um, I mean, to be honest with you, it's fun, but we don't do it just for fun. Like if you did it just for fun, what's the point? I mean, if you had a bunch of money to blow, don't get me wrong, then it'd be <laughs> fine. But pretty much every, I mean, every business, you want you want the business to succeed. So how do you do that? You put in the time and the effort and the hard work. Sure, it would be a lot less stressful if uh, money wasn't an option. Oh, yeah, huh? if the bankroll is just rolling through, yeah. That way, w- that way, if you made a bad decision, it wouldn't be like, um, but, I may lose the farm over this. But on the contrary, though, even if it was, you yeah. know, bankroll and you afforded it, when you start growing a crop and you get it down and it starts getting ruined, you're like, yeah. Okay. now I'm losing money because it's money. It's just like going to the casino. Same thing. Right. (laughs) It's like, Oh, you know, I won 400 bucks. And then you're like, Oh, never mind. I just lost all of that $400 (laughs) because I wanted to play for another 20 minutes. Like it's the same kind of deal. It's like, it's all just kind of a big gamble and a crapshoot, you know, for, for what's going on. You know, you try everything in your power to get it, get it done. Right. And then, one thing comes through and ruins it. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food. Next week on the podcast, we're going to finish the conversation with Andrew. There's so much more about technology and about family and struggles and his story on the farm and coming back to the farm 
This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. I'm Dylan Honkoop, and I'm really glad that you have joined us here. I'd really appreciate it if you subscribed uh, to the podcast on your favorite uh, podcast platform. I just noticed maybe on one of the platforms that it wasn't working right, so please uh, let me know if there if you're experiencing any issues, and I can get to work on that. Dylan at realfoodrealpeople.org, um, and Dylan is spelled D-I-L-L-O-N at realfoodrealpeople.org. Uh, send me a message, let me know, and I can get you know techie, smart people, smarter than me, uh, figuring any issues out if you have any trouble subscribing or anything like that. Of course, realfoodrealpeople.org is uh, the website, and you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook. We'd really appreciate it appreciate it and again like i mentioned earlier you can watch this whole episode on youtube as well we're working on getting more stuff on youtube i'm, I'm learning the whole video thing as we go here just kind of making it up and making mistakes and learning from my mistakes so uh check us out on youtube subscribe there too uh that would really help us out and again, next week is more with Andrew Eddy of RNH Farms, Hay Farmer in Moses Lake, Washington. Thank you again for being here. The Real Food, Real People podcast is sponsored in part by Save Family Farming, giving a voice to Washington's farm families. Find them online at savefamilyfarming.org and by Dairy Farmers of Washington, supporting Washington dairy farmers, connecting consumers to agriculture, and inspiring the desire for local dairy. Find out more at wadairy.org.